Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. And as we've been walking along in this Advent season, um, we've, we've, we've got the banners up here, hope, peace, and it's week three. And it's time to talk about this little three-letter word called joy. Um, if we look back a little bit into uh, the, this year, into 2020, uh, I mean, it's, it's been a year, uh, hasn't it? It's been a bit of a year. No one kind of would sign up for 2020. It's just been, been tough, you know, and it, it's been a challenge of, of extreme mountaintops and extreme valleys um, that, that, and, and as 2020 has gone through and revealed itself to us, um, we celebrate small things now, right? We celebrate uh, just being able to see someone we haven't seen for a while or, or see, you know, just the small things, um, the privileges that, that we have all taken for granted for all these years now are like celebrations when we get to do them. Um, but as we turn to the subject of joy this morning, uh, this powerful, tiny little three-letter word, and, and how this word joy this morning is not to be misinterpreted. Um, it's not to be, to be um, affiliated with uh, another word that we often associate with the word joy. Uh, it's very different from this, this word joy and this other word that we often use, happy, right? Joy and happy. We think, joy, I'm joyful. You know, we think, we think of, uh, of a joyful time. It was a happy time. Um, let's see what the Word of God has to say about this word joy and how it's not actually happy time. It's not the word happiness has, like I said, it has its root in happenings, right? So a lot of times our happiness or the, de- the, the degree to which we're happy depends on uh, circumstances. It's very circumstantial. So when we talk about uh, being happy or having a happy life or a happy wife or a happy marriage or happy kids, what we're really talking about a lot of times is is having happy circumstances. And, and I'm going to put up some things on the screen right now, um, and and I these things that that invoke happiness in us, right? A happy time. But I want to I want to really stress the difference between joy and happiness this morning. But who wouldn't, who, this image that's on the screen now, who doesn't consider happiness on the beach when you could be sitting by that beach with your toes in the hot sand and it's an amazing feeling? I mean, who wouldn't be happy on vacation at the beach? I was just telling my beautiful wife the other day that, you know, when 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 this this current situation, the COVID time that we're living in, whatever we can label this, um, is over and things are safe and all of this. I can imagine the tourism and the travel industry going bananas because people just want to get away and they just want some happiness. And you look at that image and you think, oh man, now that makes me happy. What, what other images would evoke this this happiness in someone some images that you just show up on the screen and instantly there's a smile on their face right some things just evoke happiness so you see an image like this one on the screen you're like ah yes or how about if you're walking along and someone says let me show you something that'll make you smile make you happy now look at that now what who doesn't feel happy seeing a, a little puppy who doesn't feel happy like when they say, oh, I'm really down. Someone could show you a picture and, oh, goodness. 
I mean, that evokes happiness, right? Or well, I don't, I don't, I don't. I, personally, I don't care if it's January or July. Who doesn't rejoice and feel happy when they see that? Who doesn't love ice cream? Whether it's July or January, I can get into some ice cream. I could eat it any time of the year. And it doesn't matter what flavor most of the time. It's all good. Some are better than others. And my favorite, though, if you had to press me what my favorite flavor of ice cream to dig into on a, on a hot summer day would probably be um, pineapple Dole Whip in a cone. Uh, that would be that would be my ultimate happy place if I could have a little pineapple and vanilla swirl um, on a on a hot sunny day that evokes happiness when I see when I see ice cream in front of me like that oh yeah right but you could you could just be happy but let me tell you the problem is we're not at the beach most of the time the problem is and I heard someone say this one time. Um, you know, a lot of people think when they're having problems relational, relationally, well, let's just get away for a while. And they do, but a, a lifelong commitment of marriage is not sustained on vacation. Uh, uh, the problem is, we don't always, a lot of us, have access to the ice cream. We don't always, we're not always at the beach. We don't always, a lot of us, have the puppy. Life isn't about, most times, puppies and ice cream. Most of life is pretty ordinary. Would you agree? Put it down in the comments. Most of life is pretty ordinary. It can be kind of monotonous even at times. So when the Bible talks about this word joy... The first thing I want you to hear is that when we talk about the word joy, it is not happiness. It's something much bigger than happiness. Something deeper, something wider than the word happiness. A good working definition I found um, for joy is this. Are you ready this morning? Get ready. A good working definition for joy is the supernatural consequence of trusting in God's Savior. Supernatural. Supernatural. Supernatural consequence of trusting in God's Savior. For the follower of Jesus this morning, it's trusting. Because joy is distinctly a Christian word. It's something for us as Jesus followers to enjoy. It's a supernatural consequence that results in trusting from trusting in God's Savior. And who is that Savior? I'm glad you asked. That's the subject of today's message. Who is this Savior? And I don't just mean, well, the Sunday school answer is Jesus, right? That's the answer. Who is the Savior? It's Jesus. But who is he? So if you're ready to dive into the Word of God, get your Bible opened up, get your Bible app opened up, whatever you have, get get excited about what, what you're about to receive from the Word of God. And if you've got some joy in anticipating that this morning, let us know down in the comments below. Say amen. Say, I'm ready for some joy. Whatever you got, put it in the comments if you're ready to hear from the Word of God this morning. Because we're going to dive into a promise this morning that was 700 years before this baby Jesus ever showed up. The, 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 the promise is from the prophet named Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus was ever born, a specific 
really geographical and descriptive elements were revealed about this baby to be born and were actually uttered 700 years before this ever took place. And when we say that, we're so flippant about, oh, it was 700 years. Folks, it was 700 years. That's a long time. So we're going to pick up the story in Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 5 and 6. If you're ready, say amen. All right, the six people that are here said amen. And I hope you said amen online. Here we go, Isaiah chapter 49. And now the Lord speaks. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. Verse 6, he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me, I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is 700 years before the baby was born and God was revealing things about this Christ child to the prophet Isaiah and said, oh, you're going to do more than just restore Israel. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles, the people, everyone else that isn't an Israelite. And that was a very foreign concept because the Jews were, were the Israelites, were God's chosen people. And God is saying, I'm choosing more than just you. In the middle of this time when this was written, it was a very dark time. It was a confusing time. It was a time of chaos and confusion, darkness and desperation. The people of Israel had lost their land. They lost their ability to worship at the sacred temple of God. They had lost their way of life, their prosperity, their peace, and their sense that God was with them. And, and this is a very silent time for them. And, and, and they took that and, and they, were, they were very, very it was a dark time for the people of God. And, and they had rebelled. Their kings had rebelled. Their prophets had even rebelled. And ordinary people rebelled. And all of that, unfortunately, just as, as God had promised, brought judgment and brought destruction and darkness to the nation of Israel. And God's chosen people were suddenly living away from where they were supposed to live. They were living a life that was very far away from the days of milk and honey and enjoying God's provision in the promised land. It was a, it was a time that, that Israel would have felt very forgotten by God. And it was a time when it seemed like God wasn't even paying attention. God wasn't even listening to their prayers anymore, it would seem. And I couldn't help but think as I read that, sounds a lot like us. That sounds a lot like us today, this very day. That God has almost abandoned us. God, where are you in this time? God, COVID came. What? Where are you? God, this is desperate time. This is difficult. Where are you, God? You feel like He's not paying attention to your job loss or attention to the stress that you're under. Maybe you're a frontline worker and you're in the healthcare field or you're a doctor, a nurse, or a support staff. And you're going through all these extra steps and you're worried about bringing this home to your family and you're wondering, God, are you paying attention to all these sacrifices that I'm making, God? Do you see me at all? Not just for my family, Lord, but for my city, the sacrifices. And out of the darkness and out of questions like that, God speaks. Verse 7. 
And he recognizes that his nation, Israel, his chosen people, has let the whole world down. And that's a big responsibility when you think about it. Israel was supposed to be this beacon of light. Israel, God's chosen people, was supposed to unite Jews together. And of course, you know, to the glory of God and unite all of God's people, and, and they were supposed to be this shining light. Israel was a was supposed to be a chosen group of people, a chosen race that were supposed to live under the blessing of God so that other peoples, other nations, people who are not Jewish would ultimately want to follow this God and say, God, who are your, your people are quite the demonstration of who you are. How do we get to know this God? This God that had provided for those people and blessed them in such a way. But unfortunately, because the kings, the prophets, and the ordinary people within the nation, because they rebelled, they lost their ability to influence the world as such it was. And so the question is, did God really abandon Israel? Did God abandon the promise that he gave to Abraham? Did he abandon the promise he gave to David that forever there would be someone, a king on the throne that would rule the world? And the answer is no, God didn't abandon his promise. As we mentioned before, God always does what is good and what is right and perfect. God's promises are always proven to be true. If he makes a promise, he's going to fulfill it and keep it. But this nation that was struggling and wondering if God had forgotten about them, God decided, I, 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 can't, I can't use these people anymore. He was going to use the the Israelites to do all this and influence the world and they had abandoned God and God said well I can't I have to I have to use the ultimate the ultimate Israelite the only one who would ever do what is right and good and perfect the only individual who would be sinless the only individual who would always do what his father sent him to do always obey God always live his life for others he said that you're you're not just here to unite Israel my son he said, you're not just here, as we read in the prophet's words in Isaiah, to bring, to, to bring back Israel to me and bring them back from their sin, but you're going to be light, a light, to the entire world. That's who Jesus is. And the light that shone even 2,000 years later, actually 2,700 years if you do the math, because if we go from 700 years back in the prophet Isaiah when we read that, to 2,000 years later, 2,700 years later, God is not only talking to the Israelites in, in the time and space that, that Isaiah wrote those words, but 2,700 years later, he's talking present time about you and me. Very few of us have Jewish blood in us. We are non-Jewish by birth, most of us. But because of Jesus, it actually says in Ephesians chapter 2 that God has destroyed the dividing wall between Jews and non-Jews. He's made one brand new family by grace. And Luke chapter 2 continues the story of God and sees 700 years fast-forwarded into the story of Jesus Christ this is the announcement that I'm sure you're very familiar with at, at the Christmas during the Christmas season at Christmas time. Luke chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. 
says this. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. We talked about those shepherds that were met in the fields by those angels. And here, here it is again. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great, say it with me, church, joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. What an announcement. These common shepherds, right, minding their own business, suddenly a burst of light and then angels and, and, and their white glory from heaven bursts on the scene and they shouted and sang. This disrupted their sleep and their ordinary life. These ordinary people who were just going about ordinary life this whole announcement disrupted their ordinary lives. And did you catch the announcement? I bring you good news that will produce great joy. And it's going to be for all people. Good news, great joy, all people. That's the announcement. It sounds a little bit like the prophet Isaiah's announcement. Or the promise 700 years earlier that someone would be born. An Israelite above all Israelites, an Israelite par excellence, perfect by birth, perfect in conduct, perfect in conduct, perfect in love, would be born not just to bring Israel, but to bring the whole world to unify them under the, the love, the hope, the joy, and the peace of God. It's incredible to see the faithfulness of God 700 years before it was ever uttered. Jesus was delivered right on time. The book of Galatians says that in the fullness of time, when God had orchestrated it, the true Savior of the world was born. It reminds me of, of C.S. Lewis's, uh, and C.S. Lewis, if you don't know, was a prolific writer, um, one of the greatest Christian thinkers of the last century. And maybe you don't know this, but he was a very staunch atheist, C.S. Lewis. He denied the existence of God for a time. And, and it's interesting as you read his works and you know a little bit about his story, he was actually converted and persuaded to follow Jesus, not because of an argument about evolution and creation, or not because he went to a great worship concert and was convinced in his heart, not because he went to some magnificent speaker's crusade, but it was because of this concept called joy. And it went something like this. He said, if I can taste these great things, like the end of a great vacation, he didn't say that, this feeling of relief and relaxation, if I can find this quantity in a great meal or a very scintillating conversation, but it doesn't last, it must mean C.S. Lewis. If he can find this and it doesn't last, it must mean, he said, that I was made for something more permanent. Those are the words. This, this appetite that, that I have never fully have quenched. It means that I was made for something better. It means something that, that was never broken in the first place. And because that desire, he understood that God placed within him. He started to investigate the scriptures and the story of Jesus and Christianity. And he determined that those facts and those events and that insatiable appetite for inner joy 
could only be met in the person of Jesus Christ. And how many people throughout time have been unbelievers and investigated the story of Jesus. And it was said that Jesus was actually crazy, a liar, or he is who he says he was. Then I've got great news for you, not only great news of good, good news of great joy for all people, as the scripture said uh, in Luke chapter 2, but more practically and more in our timeline, um, when this year is in our rearview mirror, we'll celebrate that. <laughs> but when the, when the circumstances of this year are in our rearview mirror, we'll take time to celebrate that. And we'll celebrate the advances of science that come and all those hardworking scientists and research lab technicians and all the people advancing the cause so that to make sure we'll, you know, we'll have proper care and proper treatments and proper vaccines and eventually we'll be safe and, and for all of our loved ones things will, this too shall pass, right? Um, we will, we, we will give God the praise. God who gives the wisdom and the leadership and the education and all these great gifts that come from Him. But we'll celebrate pretty soon that 2020 will be in the mirror. In the rearview mirror. But I've also, that's the good news. We'll celebrate, like I said, in a few weeks when, when Christmas time is over and we look forward to the new year. We'll celebrate the 2020s in the rearview mirror. Most of us will. We'll kind of breathe that sigh of relief and try to move forward. But some of you may know this to be true as well, that around the corner, there will be another thing that we face. There will be another thing that we have to face coming up. Even when COVID is behind us and these times are behind us, there will be something else that comes. Maybe, maybe a job loss, maybe the economy, maybe we'll be struggling as, we, as we've you know, tried to prop everything up with 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 stimuluses and all this stuff and we realize that it's just a prop up and maybe we'll be you know we'll we'll, we'll maybe it'll be a, a pipe that bursts in our house maybe we'll have an unexpected expense something will come up we'll go through some relationship issues that you know people around us maybe in our family or with a loved one or maybe we'll lose someone that we love there will be things that happen even though this year gets put in the rearview mirror. We celebrate that. But there will be something else. So the scripture, the, the, the scriptures are trying to answer questions this morning when it comes to the idea of, of happiness versus joy. We all want to be happy, right? I mean, that's a common theme throughout people that I've encountered in my life and probably yours as well. Well, I just, I just want to be happy. And doesn't God want me to be happy overall? I hear that a lot. All of us want to have a great life, and all of us want to have an abundant life that Jesus even talked about uh, in John chapter 10. Yet if we build our life on happiness, based on happenings, like we said, it's almost like sand through our fingertips. It's like, oh, we're happy, and then it just kind of falls through and we're left with nothing. If all we're basing it on is happenings and happiness... It's like we're happy if we're on vacation, right? We're happy if we have a new puppy. We're happy if we have our favorite ice cream in front of us. We're happy when relationships are going well. We got a little money in the bank account and all that. But unfortunately, life isn't like that. A lot of life is not spent on vacation or with a bowl of ice cream. 
We're in this in-between season of things are okay, but things are not great. Things may not be horrible, and other times when it's just like we feel like right now, we're, we're like literally just sludging through one inch at a time. That's kind of how 2020 has been. If you remember, there's been a lot of prison breakthrough, breakout movies over the years, right? And, and some of them, I remember one, I think it was Shawshank Redemption, if you've ever seen that, um, when they were kind of sludging through the sewer pipes, getting out. Uh, sludging through the sludge in the sewer. That's kind of how 2020 has felt a little bit. Small victories we'll celebrate, but the redemption is out there. We got to sludge through the sewer pipe of 2020, and we'll get there. With all that being said, God is pointing us towards something far more transcendent than our happiness. And happiness, as I said earlier, something... God is pointing us towards something that is much deeper and much wider than happiness, and that is joy. It's anchoring ourselves in a person. 2020 has been a year. I mean, you could share your story, and I've heard a lot of your stories. And we pray for you, and and we, we sludge through. The first few months of 2020, you can... You can tell me your story, but I'll share a little bit of how 2020 has gone for me since I have the microphone. <laughs> but the first few months, right, were, were exciting, right? The new year comes, here we go. And then uh, even though we had some difficult times, even though March and, and this new thing called COVID-19 happened, um, okay, well, we'll pivot and we'll, we'll, now, we'll now start with church online, which we already had started and we're in place, we're reaching new people. It's a little bit different and that's kind of cool. And then as the weather broke and we were trying to figure it out, remember we went outside for church for a few months? We had Mother's Day out there and, and some other things out there and, and, and outside church was was challenging but still a kind of a cool thing let's 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 try it so we went outside and 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 we we did that and it was different you know but after you know the first few weeks of all that you know it got it got to be okay tiresome and here we are again and and now we go through all of that we come back inside for a little while things get a little crazy again so we now we're here we are online again and it's been sort of a like I said, just sort of a trudge through through the pipes in 2020. And I, like you, you know, I, I miss I miss my friends. You know, it's a pretty much empty room here. I miss my family because you're not you joining us online and you folks here. You're not you're you're not just people I know. You know, you're you're family. You're my family. You're not just friends. You're family. You're not just church members. Someone on a list somewhere. Your family, to me and my family, and to my wife and kids. And I miss my family. And I want to say again, you know, that, that we, we, we love our family. We love you. And, and, and we're with you. We're with you 100%. We're, we're trudging through right with you. And we're going to get through this together. But in the early days, it was a lot of, a lot of extra work and, and the opportunity for a lot of extra creativity and, and lots of shifting and adaptation. And you know the word that we use here is pivot. A lot of pivoting. That's been kind of our buzzword. I'd like to say it was something different, but pivoting. We've done a lot of pivoting. 
longer hours, more creativity. And, and, and it seems like the longer we work at some things, the, the, the longer hours that we put in, the longer dedication that we put in to whatever it is I do or you do or whatever it is in your world, that productivity and energy is actually shrinking. So that's the more time we put in, the less we're getting done. And it's frustrating. And it's frustrating because we're all now on screens together. The kids are at home at school. They're watching on a screen. Our kids were pulled out just like your kids in most situations. And we're all scrambling for for laptops and screen time and, and bandwidth and all of this. We're trying to find space for each other, trying not to interrupt each other in their different corners of the house. And then in 2020, some of you have experienced other challenges just add on top of that, you know, having having gallbladder surgery for me. It was, I was already tired and frustrated, and now I have this. So we had to deal with that, and 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 you and you experienced some of the things you did too. And then we're we're limited again. This just even last week, we we get more restrictions again in our state. And even even as a pastor, even as a Christian, as believers, I mean, sold out believers. In Jesus Christ, for someone who's walked with Jesus a really long time, it's been a growing year, but it's been a tough year. Very difficult. And what I want to tell you in closing this morning is that joy is so much better than happiness. Because not only does joy lengthen our happiness, like when you're on vacation and you come to the end, you thank God, you know, you praise God for rest, and God actually, you know, asks us to take time to rest, and you can enjoy that ice cream, because you know ultimately, you know, ice cream is a gift from on, from on high, and you can enjoy the blessings that are God's gifts, but what, it, what joy actually does, it actually widens our happiness and, and lengthens it, but joy also deepens in suffering joy deepens in dark times joy has deepened for me in covid god's exposed some areas where i've put my comfort and put my strength and my confidence in uh in things other than him has god done that for you has god revealed some things to you that oh yeah well we've kind of taken that for granted or i put my confidence in other things other than in him and god's graciously pointed those things out And admittedly, I would rather God didn't point those things out to me. I don't want to have to go through God's prodding and God, you know, but but through those hardships, it means if it means that I have a tighter relationship with God, then God reveal it. If it means that I have a greater hope in Him, a greater joy in Him, a peace in Him, if I'm able to, to love better and lead my kids and my family better and lead the church better, and, and even though it, I've been broken a little bit by God, I would say that that's a win. If God can reveal some things and cause you to grow, even though it's uncomfortable for a little while, the joy that lives within me says, you know what, that's a win. So joy is better than happiness because it widens our ability to enjoy things now, but it also grows in the darkness. It grows in the trials. I'll finish with a scripture from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. This is a powerful and very familiar scripture to most of us. But the last part of Hebrews chapter 2, sort of verse 1b, And let us run with endurance 
the race God has set before us. Listen to how Jesus lived his life, especially the last three days of his life. And, and you know, as much as we celebrate Jesus' birth at the Christmas season and the advent and the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus' life was really about the last three days. Really the last week, specifically the last three days. That's why the gospel writers spend over half or two-thirds of their books focusing on the last two to three days, maybe week, of Jesus' life because his life was summarized and punctuated by the last three days. But how did Jesus live his life? Listen to this because we're going to, it's going to help us understand how, how do we live today in a world that's, that's, that we're not always on vacation. How do we live today in a world that might be filled with a virus? How do we live today with, uh, in a world that might be filled with disappointments and darkness and discouragements? And of course, we would always want to have an ice cream in our hand and sit on the beach. And we would always want to have the day where we celebrate achievements in life and always want to have people around us to love and support us. All those things are good, but unfortunately it's not 24-7 everyday life experience. So how can we live based on the example of Jesus? Look at Hebrews. And this is chapter 12, not 2. I left a 1 out of my notes. Chapter 12, it's on the screen. He says, let us run the race that God has set before us with endurance. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So you see this journey, this race, this not a sprint, it's a marathon. Jesus initiates and perfects our faith. And then here's our word. Because of the joy awaiting him. Well, what joy, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because of the joy awaiting him. Of what? A celebration? What was it? A, a, a celebration of feasts? What was it? Uh, riding in and being celebrated as the king? This joy, what is this joy that awaited him? Because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Twice in the verse he uses the word endure or endurance. Life is about endurance. It's, it's, a, it's not a sprint. It's an endurance race. Why? Because there are challenges. If you, if you picture a race situation, you know, it's an endurance. There's hills that come up. Unexpected things that come up in, in your marriage, in your family, in your life. And it requires endurance. Life it requires endurance. Because you're not always going to get the promotion. You're not always going to get the best job assignments. You're going to have to endure certain things in this life to get to the finish line, if we use the race analogy. To get to the prize, the awards that you ultimately want to achieve. This Christian life, which like our life in general, is about endurance. It's not always about having fresh legs. Oh, I'm ready to go, Jesus. Let's do this this morning. There are times when our legs are going to be tired. When we're going to be kind of broken down. We're going to be struggling to go one more yard or one more mile. And for that, Jesus, for that reason, Jesus says, we need endurance. So let's run with endurance. Let's run with endurance in 2020. Let's run with endurance during COVID. Let's run with endurance through the Christmas season. Let's run with endurance all the way into 2021. 
And this is how it finishes. By telling us how we can do it. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. If you would read the, the, garden, the story of gar, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus struggled with going to the cross. Read his prayer during that time. It's emotional. He sweat drops. He was intense. Sweat drops of blood. Father, if there's any way to do this without this cross. And the Father said, this is the only way. And Jesus said, all right. I'll endure it. And he disregarded its shame. And mercifully and graciously, Jesus said, yes. For us, because we could never earn a relationship with God. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, while we were rebellious, while we were self-centered people, Christ died for us. So Jesus went to the cross. He endured the cross. He didn't enjoy it. He endured it. Why? Why did he enjoy the, endure the cross? Why did he endure the shame? Why did he have to disregard that? Why did he endure the pain of that? Well, it says here because of the joy set before him. The joy in this translation awaiting him. Kingdom life, the life of the believer, of the Jesus follower, is often a juxtaposed life. The first will be last. The joy awaits Jesus in the cross. Jesus didn't look at the cross. He didn't look at that cross and focus on that. He looked at the crown on the other side of the cross. And we don't look at the cross as followers of Jesus thinking that that's the end all be all. We don't look at that. What do we look at? We look at the empty tomb on the other side of the cross. We look at the empty tomb on the other side of Good Friday. I was recently asked, Pastor, What's more important, the birth of Jesus or the resurrection? I'll leave that for you to ponder. Because you can go round in circles about all of that. Chicken and the egg kind of thing. We use the cross and we don't focus that that. We don't live. We don't live in the crucifixion. We live in the resurrection. Amen. You know, I heard one preacher say one time, a lot since then, you know, yeah, it's Friday, but Sunday's a-coming. Which means that it may be dark today, it may be lights out today, it may be trying to trudge through and trying to find your way through the darkness. But, folks, resurrection is coming. Resurrection has already happened. Don't lose hope, don't lose joy, because Sunday is coming. And our hope, our joy, is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he was crucified on the third day. That he rose from death, conquered sin, death, hell, Satan conquered it all. And he was the first to taste resurrection. So that you and I, as sons and daughters of the kingdom, would ultimately have that very reality. That very same reality. That our our hope, our peace... Our joy is found in the story of Jesus who was crucified on Friday and rose again on Sunday morning. That's our story. That's our reality. And so we look past the difficult times. We look past because of the joy that awaits us. 
as Jesus looked at the cross, he looked beyond the cross. He said, all right, I'll endure the cross, but I know what's coming. And I know that I'm, I'm called, sent by the Father to redeem mankind. He had his focus on the prize. He had to go through the cross, so he endured it. But he looked past it. And so today, we look, at, we look past our issues, look past our problems, look past all of the difficulties that we have in this present life to the person of Christ. So finally, this morning, I'll give you some handles. How do we, how do we have something called this like outrageous, contagious joy? Not happiness. As Jesus followers, we have every reason to not just have a little bit of joy, but outrageous, contagious joy. How do we have that? You want to have some of that in 2020? You want to have some of that during the month of December? You want to live your life through with a life of victory? We can have that reality no matter what the circumstance, no matter what our happenings, right? No matter what our circumstances or events in our lives, we can choose to place our faith and our trust in a person. We, we, we have this dichotomy that happens in, in the Advent season of the already but the not, and, and the not yet. And this is a theological thing that we talk about in theolo- theological circles and, and, and it gets kind of deep. But we have this thing during Advent of the already and the not yet. So Jesus has come at the birth. He has come to the world. But he's also not yet fully revealed himself in his second coming. And so we don't put our faith and our trust in anything else. And we don't wallow in the difficulties. And we don't focus and live there. But we look past it. We look through it. And we look to the person of Jesus Christ who has come 2,000 years ago he arrived the advent, the arrival but we have a greater joy that lives within us that goes beyond happenings and happiness Jesus endured the cross because he could focus on the resurrection We can endure our trials, our life. We can endure it with a joy because we don't focus on those problems and trials. We focus on the one who has come to deliver us. We focus on Jesus, not on our problems. We look past our problems as Christ followers and we look forward to the day when we will see him face to face. And friends, as we said last week, this is an invitation. As we close, there's an invitation that's given. And Jesus, through his word, it's not me sending this invitation to you. This comes from Jesus himself. It's an invitation for you. It's an opportunity for you to look past all of the problems and look through the sludging through 
the sewers of your life and of 2020. Just trying to make it another yard, another step. This is an opportunity for you to see through all of that and experience a greater joy because you know Jesus Christ. And you focus on him and ultimately his victory in resurrection. I know you've had to endure quite a bit this year. And I know throughout a lot of your lives, you've had to endure quite a bit. Would you take this opportunity to see through that and focus on the person of Jesus Christ? who was born a baby in a manger, lived a life here on earth, ministered, is who he says he was, is who he says he is, was resurrected on the third day to offer you eternal life. Let's pray together this morning. Focus in on what God has said in his word. And this is your invitation. This is your opportunity. And it's twofold. It's an opportunity for the believer, the churchgoer, the the Jesus follower, if you will. It's an opportunity for you to realign your lenses and focus again on Jesus Christ. Not focus on your problems. Not focus on the things that you don't have. Not focus on on the things that you may have lost. But to actually focus on Jesus this morning realign, refocus on Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity for you, Jesus followers. Call it rededication, call it call it call it what you will. But if you haven't kept your focus on him, if you haven't fully trusted in him, you've trusted in a lot of other things in days of late and you need to refocus on him. This is your opportunity. Jesus followers to turn back to Jesus and say you know what Jesus and maybe this is your prayer and if it is pray this with me Jesus as the song says we believe we believe Lord and in our through our lives God we have believed we believe in the facts in the resurrection and the life of Jesus. We believe in you, Lord, but we've lost focus. We've trusted in some other things other than you, God, and we are taking this opportunity this morning as you've revealed, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, the opportunity as Jesus followers to recommit to you, to give you, Lord, our full attention to focus on your promises, to God, focus on on not this difficult life, We'll endure this life, God, but our focus and our our trust is ultimately in you, Lord. And Lord, as Jesus followers this morning, we rededicate and we refocus our lives on you, God. That's the prayer for the believer that has sort of lost their way. And the second opportunity is for those of you that are joining us this morning that might not know Jesus as Savior. This opportunity is here for you as well. God's work and God's word is not limited by these four walls. Thanks be to God. God's work and God's word will go and meet you right where you are this morning. And it's very simple. 
All you need to do is turn to Jesus. And the Bible says that if you will believe in Him, admit to yourself and to God that you're a sinner and you need God, you need Jesus now. Admit, it's as easy as ABC as they say. Admit, and the Word of God says believe in your heart. That's the B. And the C is confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You put your trust in Him, even though you've been sludging along in this life. You say to me, Pastor, even joining you online, I put my trust in Him this morning. Maybe your prayer would go something like this and pray with me. And saints, pray for those who would come to know Jesus this morning. But maybe your prayer looks like this. Jesus, I, I believe. I'm convinced, Lord, that by your, your spirit and your word is revealed to me this morning that I, I, I believe. I admit that, Lord, I admit before you and before this crowd of witnesses online this morning, I, I admit, Lord, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe in you this morning, Jesus, and I surrender my life to you. I trust in you ultimately, Lord. I can see through my, my difficulties and my issues and I need the hope, the peace, and the joy that we've been hearing about. And I, and I believe this morning and I confess with my, my mouth this morning that Jesus is Lord and I receive him this morning as Savior. Uh, you would say to me and to God this morning, I need this in my life and I need it to start today. So Jesus, come into my life. I surrender and submit to you fully this morning. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, friends, welcome to the family of God. Your life will not be the same. Get in touch with us here at the church. We will help you. We will guide you. We will send you some things. Get in touch with us if you've believed in Jesus and trusted him for the very first time. I know there are those that God is working on and he's already brought several into faith and I believe he's going to do even more good works. Through all of this different church time, God, is, God has given us the opportunity to reach a lost world for him that we never would have reached had there been just people within these four walls. We praise God for you. We pray for you often and always. Please pray for me. Pray for those you saw up here this morning, the worship team. Pray for, your, pray for your family members and everyone that has been struggling in days of late. And I'll pray for you as well. I love you all. Love being your pastor. Welcome to the family of God, those that have made decisions for Christ this morning. We will be back here live online next week. So I encourage you to join us then. Uh, right 1030 sharp, just as every other week. Um, until then, God bless you all. Experience the joy that Christ has for you in this season. Not the happiness based on happenings, but the real true joy that Jesus has for you. God bless you. We'll see you all real soon. All right, we're out.